population of the prisoners, civil rights, was nothing compared to the loss of lives of its 17 known victims, never proved, nor to mention, not to mention a few others that were merely rumored. Uh, Mr. Butlin's preparing your appeal. The witness was tainted, not credible. Marshall's working on that. Yeah, if he can find him. Joel nodded. If he can find him. Him was Johnny Alto. With the feds closing in, he had made a deal. He'd turned state's witness against O'Donnell in exchange for immunity from prosecution and protection from revenge. After the trial, he had disappeared. Like Al Capone, it had been a tax evasion charge that finally nailed O'Donnell. After years of following the money, the government got a break in Johnny Alto. Alto's specialty had been money laundering, so he had plenty of inside information on where O'Donnell's money came from, where it went, and how it got there. In arguing his own case with the dealmakers, Alto had insisted he had done nothing different from major U.S. corporations establishing offshore offices to avoid taxes and SEC regulation. Alto's activities were small change compared to the billions siphoned off by so-called legitimate CEOs who built the shareholders and employees of their 401k funds. He complained that the FBI was picking on him just because he didn't have friends in the White House. They didn't buy the argument, but they let the little fish go in order to catch the big one, O'Donnell. O'Donnell put his face close enough to the glass for his breath to deposit a smudge of moisture. Find Alto. I don't care what protection the feds give him before I go to my grave. I want him dead. Milnick suppressed a shudder. Prison walls might keep clients like O'Donnell inside, but they were still dangerous. He might be behind bars in New York's most notorious prison, but O'Donnell had connections outside. A long reach. Right. In case someone was listening in, he added, You're speaking figuratively, of course. Uh, you aren't soliciting me to commit murder. O'Donnell winked. Oh, no, perish the thought. I never expected a shrimp like you to perform such a criminal act. He backed away from the glass. Just find him. And don't worry about the money. The money's there. People owe me big time. His last word was loss as he hung up the receiver. Kike. He blew Melnick a mock kiss. Then, as an afterthought, he picked up the phone again. And tell Marshall, no more errand boys. Next time, he should come himself. Chapter One Christmas at the Rose Plaza was a mixed blessing. For those who remembered elaborate holidays with small children, excited about presents and Santa, the artificial tree with its mock parcels was a sad reminder of times lost. Most of the women were elderly widows, their children grown or already dead. A plastic tree wasn't real Christmas for Oregonians spoiled by forests of firs. For those wise enough to live in the present and not dwell on the past, the tree-decorating party was a festive kickstart for the holidays. Residents who loved the ritual of tree decoration hung the ornaments. The plaza provided coffee, warm spiced cider, and assorted cookies based, baked under the supervision of Chef Jeff. Jeff was training one of the cooks in the art of pastry making. Though not a religious person by nature, Catherine Seller had gotten into the spirit. 
She had pinned a little plastic Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer on her red beret. She had taken down her red Christmas sweater with a Santa of sequins from its plastic bag on the top shelf of her closet. A short, stocky woman, capable of sudden bursts of energy, she stood watching the crowd with a cup of warm cider in one hand and a chocolate cookie in the other. Someone gently nudged her elbow as she turned to face Charlie Rappaport, one of the few male residents. We got a problem, Charlie said. Before retirement, Rappaport had been the chief engineer for Oryx Oil Company in Texas and was one of the pioneers in deep water drilling. He was not a good-looking man. He was bald and had spent too much time in the Texas sun. His nose had been operated on several times for skin cancer. Patches on his cheeks indicated places where surgeons had removed damaged tissue. The bridge of his nose was covered with a plaster like some boxer who'd let his guard down and had it broken. What problem?